You're listening to The Process, where we talk to some of the industry's most talented artists, including film, TV and game. From concept artists to previs to 3D animators and visual effects artists, we talk about a personal project of theirs and take a look at the work that went into them, as well as show an insight into the mind and workflow of each artist. For any visuals discussed in this episode, we've provided a link to images and videos should you need a bit more context. So, I mean, I'm born and raised in Mexico City. I've been living in New York for about 15 years or so. I started my, my career in Mexico City as a 3D animator and like real-time graphic artist. Um, but back then it was for broadcast, so real-time graphics meant virtual sets and like augmented reality and things like that that you could you could tell it was not real and you could tell it was like made for television, right? Yeah. Um, and that led me in my career to move to the U.S. Um, and work with different networks. The latest one being NBC, in which I was leading their 3D animation department and their real-time graphics department. And after a few years in corporate America and like NBC and like all um, more of the uh, news side and sports <laughs> side, I decided to burn into venture to the wild and open my own studio like about yeah. six years now nice life. which which is called cash frame uh usually people pronounce it kick frame because uh, i was a bad choice of words it's a mayan word that means like, yeah. inspiration so but it's the proper way proper way of pronouncing it is cash frame cash frame. and we specialize mostly i mean we kept in that line of doing Concept design and animation for broadcast. We we work in many different big projects. We did the, the last year uh, content for the Super Bowl and and uh, the British Open and ma- many other uh, sporting events. But for some reason, and then uh, but in parallel, we were always very curious about like Unreal Engine because of the real time background that I had. So we started d- doing some projects with Unreal Engine. And we got we we got a mega grant for one of them, which was like creating real time characters for for broadcast, like anchors. It was in twenty twenty, I believe. And uh, since then, we we got like more and more curious about about Unreal Engine. And uh, last year, we went through two different fellowships with them. We were invited. I was invited to the, the first one, um, which was the storytelling. Uh, one which led to the short film that I, I'm, I'm guessing we're gonna yeah the thief, the thief I'm yeah. guessing we're gonna talk about we will. and then uh, and then when I went through the ITB effects fellowship as well because now we are planning to move more into like ITB effects on film and things like that um so we are heading better right now in virtual production and previous and everything that has to do with virtual with the new wave of virtual production. Mm-hmm. Now we are like on real authorized partners, which is like a great thing for us. Wow, um, that's brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. We Congrats. have a close relationship with Epic, luckily, uh, and all that. And, um, but we always try to keep creating our own projects, like all the members of the studio. We try to yeah. keep doing our own things. And that's how it led to some of the projects that we've seen. Amazing. That's great. Really, really great insight. Uh, Arthur, thank you very much. And. Am I correct in saying you've won an award, an Emmy? Yeah, true, true. Um, a, I got an award while I was with NBC. And no, actually, a little bit prior to being with NBC. Um, I got uh, an Emmy for Innovator, uh, which was for the some project with um, camera tracking. It was for for doing real-time camera tracking for tennis. That was for the US Open, one of the US Open. And so yeah, so it, it got the attention of of the of the community, and then I suddenly one day I didn't know about it, and one day I got this this box in my office, and it turned out to be an Emmy, and it was like fantastic, <laughs> and and you got I, I was I was shocked. I'm like, what is this? What is this box? And then I opened it, was and here, and wow, fantastic! And then you know you got the certificates and all that, um, and then we got like nominated for I got nominated for two more. You know, I'm very used to talking we because because yes. of the studio. But yeah, I, I got nominated for for both a uh, two more on you know graphic design and and stuff like that. Oh man, congratulations! Thank oh, you, thank you very that's much. Great, man. brilliant. Um, so I guess we can 
move on to um yeah the the fellowship your experience with uh storytelling with unreal engine um and this is a project that you spent uh, around five weeks on the unreal fellowship uh creating uh this piece which is around three just under four minutes yeah it's like three and twenty three. or something like that yeah yeah uh, yeah, if you just could just give us um, a bit of background about yeah, the yeah. inspiration behind the story, and then uh, we can get into your workflow and pipeline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> so when I was invited to the fellowship, I uh, it, I was a bit nervous and intimidated because you know when you see the list of people that are going are in the fellowship, you're like, oh my god, you know the the. Yeah. Imposter syndrome comes in, you know, like, oh my Great. God, this is, this is crazy. This is amazing people. And which I still respect the amazing talent that went there. So I saw this and I wanted to come up with like an idea, but you don't know the topic until they give it to you. Right. right. Uh, like there's like one, a few days before, which like I think three days before the Friday before starting, they tell you the topic. So then. And I really didn't want to like come up with like a prefabricated idea and then adapt it to the topic. So then I, I waited and said, okay, let's see what the topic is. And it came out to be duality, which is something that oh, really? that's, <laughs> I just mentioned <laughs> <laughs> it's something like that I'm always thinking about. I mean, deep in the, from irony to, to like contrast to like the big social thing, like everything has this duality that we do, right? Yeah. So, um, so it was perfect for me. I said like, well, uh, so they started creating a lot of, of different ideas that could work with that. And it, it, I came up with like many different things and I approached for many different things, but you have to be, you have to act like really quickly because you have only like one week uh, to give, to deliver the script. And uh, so it was a bit difficult. It was a, a bit overwhelming. Then uh, one of the mentors of the of the fellowship, I was talking to him, and was like, "Then just just do whatever you feel like." You know, it's like this is a open open a forum, and and don't be afraid of going like personal or anything like that. Which it was a conversation that helped me a lot <clears throat> to to do that and. So I took it to more of a personal side, which inspiration came from the process of therapy, right? Uh-huh. Like when you are, I, I, I got late, late to the therapy world. I started like my mid thirties or something like that. And I am shocked with how effective it is to uh-huh. like connecting with your like, uh, baggage, I guess that you're carrying uh-huh. through your life that you don't even know. You don't even know how you react to certain things or while, while you understand certain others because of, of that baggage or that uh, history of yours. So then I tried to take it to that, that, and one of the things that, uh, what's important to me, was to raise awareness that it's never late to heal your, your wounds, Damn. it's never late to go over the things that you have had in your past. It doesn't matter if you're like dying doesn't matter if you are like uh, uh, it's late in your life or you have you think that you have your life resolved it's all there's always time to like get in peace with those things and i wanted somehow to bring that topic to bring that message and that's why i that's how the story came nice like um um yeah brilliant like like, the thief that somehow confronts with her past, yeah, as a child, yeah, correct. That's a great, that's a great way to, um, yeah, the you know, create a short story, especially when something means so much, uh, and you've experienced, you know, that's a, that's a great way to start. And I guess, um, yeah, it, it really shows. I mean, I'm just I've just got it up on the screen here again. Um, I'll to watch. Um, so that was the inspiration behind it. And how did you feel? Um, so effectively, you had four weeks. To, to, to create it so the first week is uh, script and, and and story yeah um, was this your first time using Unreal Engine to create a short story yes it's and my it, it was my first time I mean it was not my first time using Unreal as I said but, we, yeah. we we use it for mostly for live performances yeah. but it was my first time 
um, for example, using Sequencer. It yes. was my first time like creating an actual animatic yeah. out of this, which is ironically now it's one of our daily works, right? See. But and it became now our daily work. But it is um, it's a fantastic tool. But it was my first time, so I knew I understood what the engine could do. I understood the realm of real time, but I had no idea how easy it would be to actually iterate in the storytelling uh, setup. And so, so yeah, very quickly, I, I think I saw the potential on that and I decided to, to invest through investing quality of the shots. As opposed to in broadcast, you sometimes have to sacrifice the quality uh-huh. uh, for the time. Like for us in broadcast, having the five weeks to do something is like an eternity, right? I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you usually have to create like opener or something like in a very, very, very short, short amount of time. So yeah. then I was very used to like work, working that pace, which I know is like, it's a big difference with the film, with my film uh, colleagues. That they they have like usually more time to yeah, develop months or weeks to work on one shot or exactly exactly yeah, yeah. no so, so for like that was not my concern when I had like five weeks like ah that's fine yeah the, the thing is like I force myself to okay let's think actually conscious consciously about each shot and what the message that I'm trying to give yeah. each shot which you don't get to do that much in broadcast so oh. I was like oh that's fantastic. Well, it really shows, like, uh, you know, the choice of shots, the storytelling, um, and that brings me on to sort of, yeah, your experience with the whole, you know, cinematography, storytelling, shot composition. Does that lend itself from your experience just in, like, in broadcasting in general? Um, or is that something you sort of learnt and adapted for this project? Because it's, it's clear that you've got a great sort of storytelling and shots, considering shots, Um as a, yeah, as a whole. I mean, I, I think that in my um, role, even though we don't do, we used not to do this in a regular basis in broadcast. I mean, in my role as creative director, I had to think in a cinematic way all the yes, time. Sir. Even if we were creating like, a, you know, a 15 second opener for a show or something like that, it became a little bit of our um, a mantra wow. and our style with our clients and everyone to like actually think about the story that we want to create other than than put you know random graphics on the air right like think consciously so i'm always thinking and prior to that i've taken a few courses and so on and photography uh, and film but uh, it was it was mostly just um uh, my obsession of wanting to make the audience understand which is the the experience that you get a lot with broadcast you get immediate feedback of how the people are reacting to each story you get sometimes even live feedback of how people react mm-hmm. so then with the year you started understanding what people will react well to which type of shot and so on and um yeah so i use that um but I've never done it before, so <laughs> so I guess it came out okay. Yeah, it, it really has. Uh, it definitely caught uh, our eye, and hence why we um, invited you on here to, to talk about it. Um, and do you have any um, other sort of projects after you worked on the fellowship that you were uh, planning on potentially doing as a as a passion personal project, if any? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm working right now in another short film that, but I, I'm one of these people that want to discover a new way of storytelling. I don't know if it's like, uh, just shooting in the dark or something, but it's, but I see the huge potential in like mixing interactivity with storytelling. And I don't think that no one had actually nailed it, you know, in how to mix uh, interactivity with that. I like video games, for example, and I love playing uh, some some good video games. And I'm I'm always impressed about how how immersive in the story they are, <laughs> right? Like, and how you actually feel that you are inside that world and you feel that you are a part of the story. And 
there must be a way of bringing that into into the regular storytelling, the okay. passive storytelling. And so, so this short film that I'm working on right now, it, it's, it's attempting to to uh, bridge that gap. Nice. I'm trying to like it's using the same concept, cinematography, everything, but how do we actually make it interact with people? And so that's basically what I'm what I'm working on. Um, and uh, on the storytelling side, and a few other projects that have to do with with a also an extension of these short film, maybe uh, alternative stories of the characters itself and bringing it to kind of the present nice. and so on. Exciting stuff. Well, all the best. I'm sure we'll catch back up and maybe do uh, part two on that in the yeah. future. I'd love to, I'd love to uh, see that for sure, um, Arturo. Um, and just coming back to the the, the, thief, the, the, the thief project then, um, uh, just talk a bit, little bit about um, the, the the pipeline and the workflow. Um, you know, motion capture. We've got facial performance. Um, what about that sort of technical side? Not technical, mm-hmm. but more um, you know, to 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 be accompanied by storytelling. It's the the character's performance. How did you find that process? Yeah, in, so inside I wanted to. Um, I wanted not to be restricted by the amount of things that I could find, for example, in the in the marketplace, right? I felt like, you know, there's there's things missing and I want very specific motion and I want very specific things. So I got a as part of the studio we have uh extent suit. Oh, oh brilliant. like oh so let me let me use that in order to do that. So as part of the fellowship they give you access to mock up to like a mock up session with an actor. But I decided to donate my time to some of the other um, uh, fellows, and I I used my own my own extensions to do the capture. Brilliant. So basically, everything that is like motion there, I acted it myself. I actually have some clips that I can send you. Please do, yeah. Email, please send them over, so yeah. And in which I am actually acting, <laughs> and, nice. and you can see, and I put it side to side, so you can see the acting uh, passing to to the character. Right. And I had to channel my my medieval thief <laughs> uh, female side, and like you know, yeah. come up with like this this side of it. And it was so all the most of the animation, the base of the animation is mocked up <laughs> for the body. But then I had to do a lot of keyframing just to you know not only clean up but also enhance the performance. Sure. Because I mean, I'm in my living room. I couldn't just just jump on a horse. That, and... exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what What was you using to? Did was the mocap on the horse as well, or was you was you straddling a chair? How did you get that? No, well, actually, actually, the the animation of the horse. I found uh, something in the marketplace that was uh, a rider oh, okay. going. So I took that and then I I broke it uh, the skeleton. So I just did the top part sure. mocap and all the lower words. But from a clip on the marketplace. And then for the face, that was an interesting process because I was all, all into mocap and ah, we can do it in mocap. And so I, I built myself this, this uh, facial mocap rig and, you know, I got a new iPhone and everything and I was capturing my face. And I realized very quickly that it was not going to get me where I wanted. Really? But like, this is, you can feel the, the, the blend shape solving uh, uh, when you are doing capture, you can feel the the machine struggling to like solve the blend shape, and all the performance goes to hell, right? Right. So then I decided all the facial animation is keyframe. Oh really? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Every single piece of of facial animation I decided to use just you know, the panel yeah. from the metahuman and just keyframe everything. And and I I was I am one of these animators that truly like to spend like hours in like you know moving the little expression yeah. and I don't mind doing that and people like so like you want to run <laughs> like for me for me I I, I was like okay I'll do it and I spent hours just like trying to get the right expression yeah. in the faces and and I found it very very easy to to animate and to iterate in the combination of of how well thought 
is the is the sequencer yeah. and well thought is the is the panel for for the metahumans and all that. I was like, oh, this is this is like it actually gives you all the tools that you need. Nice. No, for most of the performance. That's that's fascinating to know that you've hand keyed uh, the face uh, facial performance. Uh, so how how do you what what's your thoughts on metahumans and how are they to work with as uh, characters? Um, I so I it's funny because I got the transition between the old metahumans, in which were like more limited to the new metahuman, in which you could do like mesh to metahuman and you could do like other things in which you could optimize them way more. So the first character, the adult, is in the old metahumans. Oh, um, okay. So and then the girl, the young girl, is in the new metahuman. Right. So then uh, all all the adult stuff is in Unreal Engine Four, and then the oh, other sure. part of the of the girl is on Unreal Engine Five. Okay. Right. Which is it's it's it was literally they were switching. While we were in the fellowship, was in that month. So then, oh, the crossover from four to five. The the metahuman, the, oh, the metahuman, when they announced okay. the new metahuman. Sure. And the uh, epic that was the last fellowship that was during Unreal Engine Four. Right. So we learned all the tools in Unreal Engine Four. So that's why I stayed there. But then it five came out, and I mean about the metahumans, I to be honest, I think it's an unbelievable technology. I think it's fantastic of course of course it has its flaws of course it has its moments in which it's difficult to get something realistic but i think that with the proper amount of iteration and with the proper amount of patience you can get the results that are amazing amazing yeah. amazing yeah just the cinematography of this as well and um, the lighting the use of like the atmospheric fog the the design of each shot um it's beautiful. Big, big fans of this. That's I mean, and... the lighting, for example, it was the simplest setup you can think of. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's the that's what I love about the Unreal. Like, for for me, just putting in the basic stuff to get you started is like, whoa, this can be done this quickly, and you know, it's you can get a lot out of it. Let alone going deeper and deeper into more, um, you know, uh, complicated setups and stuff. How, yeah, how yeah. Like uh, we are used to the regular three D pipeline, which lighting is such a, a intimidating process, right? And you get yeah. and you have to think it through and like go and like, and then wait a long time. And and this was just insanely easy. This environment mixer, for example, this tool from Unreal. Um, I'm sure you know Unreal as well. You played with it. Sure. We've 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 made a, a few smaller projects in there, um, and we, we'll be diving more deeper into it in the future. But yeah, it's 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 our start the start ish of our journey with Unreal Engine, but we are really enjoying it so far. Yeah, and it it just like comes with some. I think that the people that created they truly understand what the artist needs, so they made some tools very easy to use. Yeah, some others are still very complicated, but some of the easier tools, they are very well thought because yeah. one of the, the of them was the lighting. They said, okay, how do we give people like a good lighting from the get-go? And it's a, there's this thing called Environment Mixer, which it yes. basically creates this lighting setup for you. I mean, I had to deviate, you know, just to give, to, to enhance the performance, just added a few more lights, but the base of it was, was almost almost there um so so yeah uh, it's fantastic yeah and how many um I, I, talking about sort of planning the shots and the story um storyboards and was you sort oh, of previously and how did you go about um planning the story no storyboards yeah um so it kind of we, leads me on to did you enjoy using Unreal Engine and discover shots in there like whoa this would look cool that looks cool how how did you go about that? Well, it, it's so funny like um, <clears throat> I was I was giving this this behind the scenes uh, talk uh, after after serving to the same fellowship and uh, I created this Excel sheet literally 
in which I was counting my shots in my head and just more or less timing them to whatever I thought. I could send you a snapshot also out as well. Yeah, whenever it, like definitely. But um, it was, I went through the three acts in my head with the shots in my head. So I had the idea of the photography that I wanted prior and I lift all the shots and I counted them and it came out to be 47 shots in my head. Um, and then when I got to the engine, I just started following those and it turned out to be 48 shots. <laughs> right. in, in Unreal. But the funny thing is that once you, I was in the engine, uh, of course, I, I discovered new angles or I refined new angles, but it was a lot uh, pre-planned in my head. Nice. Now, we are used in broadcast to do this because you don't have time to do storyboarding. Again, you have a, like a full project to do in like in two weeks or something like that. So it's not a common part of our pipeline to do a, a storyboarding. Yes. You do mood boards, you do style frame, and then you jump into whichever engine you're working on to figure out as you go. So that was a very common thing for us to, oh, sorry, for me just to like see that in my head and say like, okay, let's just jump into it. Um, and that's how it came. Right. Like if there was, it was all built inside the engine and yeah. it's all figured out inside the engine. Nice. I guess that this, um, you know, when you're going out onto a live set or shooting something for real, You've got you've got something in your head, and you know, the, you know the structure and the shots in your head. But when you do get out there, it's a really a, a time to sort of explore it further and, and and discover and find, you know, with with that in mind prior to to getting there. So once you're in the engine, you've got those in mind, and then you can really sort of create those um, for for real when you're there. So yeah, um, and it was like also embracing the uncertainty. Yeah, right. It, that was the that was the cool part of it. That that like, I don't know about this shot. I don't know how I'm I'm gonna tell the story about. I remember one that was like big for me was how do I make the connection um, about her and her reflection uh, without feeling cheesy <laughs> and without feeling not like confusing the crowd. So then I come with came up with the idea of the scar, right, of the, There's a... of the and say like, how, like, it has to be understood, and that is the same, the same character, and the one with the, with, with it, like, already scarred, and the other one with, like, fresh, fresh wounds. Yeah. And, like, that, I had no idea how I'm going to tell that story, that was, like, a blank in my, in my head, but then when you go to the engine and you start playing with the camera, like, oh, okay, I can, yeah. you know, lie around and, and show when she discovers herself and um, yeah so it's a it's it's a great new way of pipeline like real awesome, time man. it's just like mind blowing brilliant is there anything that you would um, do differently and you know if you was to what did you learn and take from it to apply uh in, yes, in I mean, <clears throat> I would have done a few things differently. Uh, I would have done it in Unreal Engine 5. Oh, okay. <laughs> would would you mean, recreate it now, or was that or just move on to the next project with Unreal Engine 5? Actually, I did I did move it to Unreal Engine 5 because you... uh, for some of the festivals, I had to, I wanted to, for it to be in 4K. Oh. The original render was in HD. Okay. And then for some of the festivals, and it's like they asked me uh, for uh, it was going to be screened like a huge, huge you know, theater. Nice. So I was like, oh, I want it to be in 4K. So then I moved it to Unreal Engine 5 and I re-render it in 4K. So one one of them, it would be, yes, it would, I would do it again from the get-go in Unreal Engine 5. I would probably, uh, you know, add more detail to the art that I didn't have time to add more detail. For example, the effects. I didn't really have time to affect for effects. So all the when the glass breaks or when the particles are flying around. Like for example the black particles that fly around when the mirror starts happening. They are just like planes. Like yeah. it, it, I didn't have time to, you know, put leaves and all this stuff because I, I just I was just rushing to it. Yeah. Um so 
I would do that. I was I debated a lot if you, you know going back and changing all these things, but I feel that once you it, that chapter was closed, you know, yeah. that of, of that project, and I wanted to move to something else. And Brilliant. but um, but yeah, I would I would definitely put more attention to the, to the simulations and oh, and the effects and um, and. In general, the mocap, I would probably spend more time cleaning right. up. Okay, great to know. And um, what about advice for a first-time filmmaker moving into or starting out in Unreal Engine? Have you got any advice? Yeah, yeah. I would say jump into the engine. I mean, and that sounds very generic, but it, I get, I don't wait until you know the engine in order to start creating. And <laughs> it's better to jump into it because there is an aha moment when you actually realize how how flexible and how easy it can become yeah so my biggest advice will be like don't wait until you feel that you understand the software because i think that that is what i've seen among filmmakers is that that is the more daunting thing that they they're like oh but i'm not very technical and i don't need i don't know if i'm going to understand something I don't understand software. I don't know animation. Like, just put a camera in your own terms with your regular. Imagine that you're having a physical camera and start playing with it mm-hmm. and see what you can do. Because it's very easy, you will lose the fear of, of fucking it up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and then you will start realizing that you can actually tell the story very quickly without understanding the, all the software. Yeah, like right. I'm, I'm sure that a lot of people go into go online and they Google on real engine tutorial and they face their face with like a uh, blueprints and yeah. plus and millions and millions and options and say like nah I'm not touching yeah. this it's I, too much it's not for me exactly yeah we spoke to somebody recently about their um, journey and experience with Unreal Engine for the first time this guy was a um, a stunt coordinator. Um, for big movies, um, stunt doubles, so like Mark Wahlberg, um, and he um, exper- jumped into Unreal Engine for the first time to make a short story using, um, like, doing fight sequences because he was a um, choreographer, and he said that he could have easily gone on YouTube, or not easily, but he could have gone onto YouTube saying, "How do I use Unreal Engine? What do I do?" But instead, um, he reversed it round to knowing his end goal and saying, I want to make a short story in Unreal Engine with um, motion capture and uh, fight sequence. So then he worked his way backwards of like, ah, so I need to do this. How do I do this? I'll look online. I'll learn this and goes backwards. So he, he didn't go onto the first tutorial and get overwhelmed with how in-depth Unreal Engine and technical it can be because like you just said it can put you off and it could it could put fear into the user and go ah I'm gonna I'm not gonna do that yet I'm not ready that yet so that's great to know that yeah just jump in and don't be afraid uh, and don't just sort of find the first tutorial and get overwhelmed by it so definitely yeah great, one other great thing that I would say that it it would be like a best advice it's instead of going to the tutorials, join the, the discussion groups. Okay. Like, join the forums, join the Discord, the Unreal Slackers, and there's so many different Discord channels and so many different... Because most of the people that have been officially trained, let's call it that way, like they have gone through fellowships or... You, you finish your, your experience with such a... With such gratefulness that you want to give back. And if you're a filmmaker that you want to start, if you jump to one of those forums and say like, Hey, I'm thinking in creating a movie. I don't know where to start. This is the movies that I have created in live action, whatever. Please help me out. I bet you that there's going to be a lot of people that have gone through official training and say, I'll help you. I've helped you get started. I've helped you where you need to look, as opposed to trying to figure yourself your way in this uh, yeah. YouTube uh, universe. 
definitely that community and support is definitely um you know you'll benefit from joining and asking questions and people always want to help out it's a, it's very surprising how um how supportive a community can be because everyone's Absolutely. in that boat and journey together like if it's someone who's been using unreal engine for two years or somebody's been using it for a month it's just a great community to say like you know i was there once and i i get you know the fears or the questions so help each help each other out um yeah for example like in the unreal fans uh, we met some some people from Latin America, right? That okay. they wanted, they were working with Unreal, and in the in the festival, one of the members created this this Discord about Unreal, the virtual potion for in Spanish, and only in like a, a week or so, it had already like three hundred members, and that is how how much the community wants to help each other, yeah. and what is the thirst from everyone to learn. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah and reach out as opposed to trying to hear on your own. Yeah. Definitely. Great piece of advice, Arthur. Thank you. When you mentioned earlier about um, video game and uh, cinema and film merging together for that ultimate storytelling experience, what's your favorite game? I movie? mean, the, the, I have to say that this might be a very popular answer, but yeah, The Last of Us is fantastic. It's one of the best experiences that I've had in terms of the storytelling. Um, through a video game and um, Demon Souls it's another game that I got really into and not uh-huh. so much for the storytelling as, as to the challenge and how you, you know the obsession of getting all the goodies you can get yeah. <laughs> in the game so uh, I and I think and I mean, the, the reason why I mentioned that one is because I think that there's also very valuable there as well like this this effect of wanting to to become better at the game, right? Which the soul game stuff uh-huh. they encourage you to do, like just getting to this this uh, universe, understand their language, understand how they work, they understand their their universe, and try to get better at it. So I think I would say the two last video games that I played that affected me that way was those two, like Last Brilliant. of Us and Demon Souls. Awesome. Are you are you by any chance watching the TV show? Yeah. Yeah, of course. If you're a fan yeah. of the game, you're you can't miss the TV. Yes, yes, I, I am, and I'm excited for it because I actually replayed The Last of Us recently, both parts. When I knew that the series was coming, I said, like, sure. "Oh, I'm gonna get ready." So I I did it again, and so I'm like, you know, waiting to wait. Amazing. I know what's gonna happen, and yeah, yeah. you know, like uh, I don't know if you you played it. Before I've I've played the the video games, um, but not entirely. I haven't finished the whole of the um, video game series, so I should have done. It's terrible that I haven't. Um, so it's a, it's partly a surprise for me uh, at certain points through this season. So very excited. Either way, incredible yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, incredible. Fun, that's a piece of storytelling. You like yeah. really, really, really well well thought out. Brilliant, man. Um, so yeah, let's uh, chat about yeah a- avatars, v- virtual production, uh, your involvement with uh, projects with CG TV presenters. Tell us a little bit about that and the background. Yeah, so I mean, this was a, a, a I would say old project, right? Because it it started a few years ago. Um, for us, I we wanted to challenge the technology first, right? Mm-hmm. We, we said like, are we there yet that we can actually combine all the technologies? Uh, as you know, like broadcast is very technical, like extremely, extremely technical because uh, it's not only the factor of making it work with with tracking and all these things, but it's also it has to be live and, yeah. and has to be bulletproof. So I wanted to see if we could take that technology and make it bulletproof enough that will work in vision, uh, which is what's happening right now with the world of ICD effects, right? In which they, uh, they have to bulletproof the creation of this LED, the, the content uh-huh. for the LED uh-huh. volume uh-huh. in order for it to be production ready, yeah. right? So it's the same thing. So we started <clears throat> just creating a, a few characters that will have 
some uh, extraordinary abilities to what a human can do in, in a set, right? Like we, we started with the simple ones that they could change their clothes, they could fly around, they could morph into different characters, they could do things like that. Um, but then the project was mostly combining, like fitting them into the pipeline, sure. into the tele- broadcast pipeline. Sure. How do ma- we make that? So it was, we work a lot with different uh, hardware companies. Like we work very closely with Moses for the camera tracking and a uh, icon for the for the capture and things sure. like that. And they they were they were all into it. They were like, yeah, we'll provide the hardware. You keep playing with it, and we'll make it work. And so we got to a point in which we had uh, and. In life, interacting with a human, like a uh, CG character, and interacting in a way that it was not only, uh, un- it was not uncomfortable, which oh, is no. the most common thing. It's like, how, where do you place your monitors? Where do you place your actor in order for, for the, the human actor or the human anchor not to feel uncomfortable that there's something there and that they cannot see? Um, yeah, so we work in the project for about, I would say four, four or five months was a quick one. And uh, we went to present it, uh, like the main presentation was in a network in Mexico City. I think that they were the only ones who wanted to take the risk at that time. This was like 20, actually it was 2019, not 2020. 2019, and uh, so they they wanted to take that risk and say like, okay, let's, let's try it out. And it, and yeah, it, the results were great. We had to to leave apart that side of the of the exploration because of the pandemic, because yeah. then the pandemic happened, and then we couldn't go to studios anymore and all that sure. stuff. So then we had to hold a little bit that that project. But where we got, and I think that we we are moving in now to streaming and characters for streaming, and uh, yeah. It's something that is always in my mind, and I'm and we're we're still working on that on, on the side. Brilliant, brilliant. I'm just watching the video again now of the of the interaction between. So, in layman's terms, it's a TV broadcast TV broadcast with uh, live presenters and also CG um, characters uh, live with motion capture suits, essentially with facial capture um, and, and and interacting together. Um, what about the technology behind the face, the facial capture? What's the um, facial capture system. software and system so that, used for that? That was uh, we were using Dynamics, um, which was it is French company that doesn't exist anymore because they were, they were bought by a video game company. I can't remember which one, um, but it was. Uh, I love that that facial capture system because it was based on machine learning, and oh, so it was nice. not just like moving the blend shapes according to the, but it was figuring out which positions were the best uh-huh, okay. according to your setup. And you will do the kind of the setup in Maya and then you will tell it, uh, it was not about just telling it, um, this, this means that you need to move this lens shape. It was, oh, yeah. the software was intelligent enough to try to solve a more natural face expression. So that's why uh, we were using that one. And in, and then when when the company got bought, then uh, we stopped using them. And we haven't we have been testing some other, but we haven't purchased like a big a big purchase right. of, of a new system. Our the one that we are looking at more right now is Face Good, um, but we haven't really gotten to like yeah. purchase a big one. And and the um, virtual production side, the camera setup, that is uh, the engine used is Unreal Engine for, for for that, or am I wrong? Yes, yes, it's Unreal Engine. Uh, yeah. It's with Moses. So the the back of camera has a Moses sure. tracker, and then it's sending through LiveLink the yeah the connection to to Unreal, and it's just tracking the camera. But the good thing is that it's all seen. In, in for broadcast, meaning like it's in the proper frame rate with the proper every, everything in the same gen log and everything like works together. Uh-huh. Um, and the delay was not that bad actually, but like I, I believe it was 
maybe 15 frames or something like that, mm -hmm. like in like for the entire pipeline, which is surprisingly is not too much for for uh, live production because yeah. you have to delay the audio and you have to delay everything mm -hmm. for it to make it work in a live setup. So it wasn't it wasn't that that bad. And Interesting. Although now, as I said, uh, we are thinking and moving more towards streaming just because right. of the interactive capabilities that you have in streaming. Yeah. Right. That you can actually have the audience interacting with your character in real time uh, through Twitch or uh, they have a, there's a Twitch fantastic set of plugins for Unreal Engine, which you can connect the Twitch interactive capabilities to Unreal Engine. Well, and, and that works like a charm. That's great. Exciting. Where, where, where do you, um, find the sort of, you know, the, 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 the live avatars, the characters, the streaming, where do you see that going? And, and it's very exciting. I mean, super cool. And, I, and I'm, I'm well into this stuff. Where do you see it going in the future with, uh, CG and, uh, well, characters? I think, I think first there's going to be an uncomfortable moment in which, uh, no one's going to be happy about either how they look the avatars and, and who they are in the, in the entertainment. And, but I think that little by little, uh, they're placing entertainment, right? Like yeah. a lot of people think that they are trying to replace humans and that is not the point. A, com a complete different yeah. uh, side of entertainment for this, for this thing, right? So I think, I see that it's little by little, it's, got, it's going to start getting normalized uh -huh. uh, more for live production. I mean, it has been normalized already in Instagram, like for example, with yeah. Lynn Michela and many other influencers like virtual influencers. Uh, but now now it's the time of live production. Like they're going to be more and more in live production and they're going to start yeah. being normalized little yeah. by little. And then once that happens, then it's going to be very powerful because they are, they are going to get combined with the ability of interacting with them in a level that you cannot interact with a human. Uh, yeah. With a human, you cannot interact. You can interact as much as the human you can Tolerant, you know, because <laughs> at least the human like has a has a personal life, and there's so many things that that you can do on on that, and that you cannot do to a human. Mm -hmm. You cannot expect a human to interact with you. Yeah. But uh, in um with with virtual personalities, I think there's a little bit of a different realm of of a different visual experience that you have with with these so these these personalities and um which is gonna open a different realm of, of entertainment which I don't yeah. think we have really tapped into. Um but it's gonna be a lot to do with interactivity. Yeah. What 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 do you what are your thoughts on CGI uh virtual avatar Snoop Dogg? Have you seen the uh Snoop Dogg music videos with him in yeah. virtual production world? I, what are your I, thoughts? I mean I, I again I think it we're in an uncomfortable moment still because we are, I think that we are still trying to emulate the human form yeah. with these virtual avatars, which I think little by little, which is uncomfortable because you cannot compare it to a real human, right? Yeah. And I don't think we'll, we are there yet. And I don't think we'll be there soon in that yeah. you can actually compare it to the experience of talking to a human. Yeah. Um, it's getting better, but it's, I don't think we'll get there, but I think it's going to start taking on course in which end it's going to start becoming more and more obvious that you're talking to, to a representation of a, of a human that maybe yeah. there's a human behind, like in, in our project, there's always a human behind, there's okay. always an actor interacting with you. We don't, we haven't tapped into like making them AI and this is something that we're not truly interested in. Yeah, is I like the idea of having an actor that's having a human reaction to it, um, but but it has to be understood visually that it's a it's a different sort of entertainment. Sure, and it's gonna take its own course, and it's gonna have a different visual language. Maybe we are gonna start seeing way more way more stylized characters. Yeah, in the next few years, as opposed to human, because it is. Uh, we have to create that distinction, yeah. right? Like if there is this pendulum effect in which 
oh, we can we can almost emulate humans. Let's do all humans and everyone yeah. thinks humans, 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 humans. And I think the pendulum is gonna come back, and then we're gonna say like, oh, you know what, humans, you not the realm. Let me let's try to do more stylistic or yeah. other things that that don't they have their own space. That's that ever ever ongoing uh, question and debate. Um, you know, even from old old movies like you know Brazil, Blade Runner, um, AI, human. How AI is human? Will AI ever become human? Um, will it ever feel like a human? That whole comparison. Um, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know? I mean, right now we are in the in the in such a explosive time when it comes yeah. to AI, right? Everything that is happening with with art station and like yeah. all these things that have been happening around the the art generators with AI and even chat GPT and everything that is happening right now with, yeah. with that. And so again, it's it's a, it's a new tool that that is disrupting so so people are more and more uh, uncomfortable with it. Yeah, but I think little by little is going to be finding its way definitely in, in our realm. I mean, at the end, it's humans who inhabit the world, and we are going to figure out how to make the world for our benefit as opposed yeah. to and not against us. I guess, yeah. I know we 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 wouldn't be wrapping up surely, but that AI discussion, yeah, it could definitely become a whole new episode of talking <laughs> yeah. about AI, CG, humans, digital avatars. You know. Uh, which I'm sure would be uh, an interesting talk, but um, yeah, I, I would to to final uh, to finalise this uh, Arturo, um, which has been amazing talking to. This, this hour has flown by for me. Um, so Thank you. Same. Absolutely fascinating. Um, any advice for um, younger artists in general with getting into like industry, Unreal Engine, uh, work-life balance, anything as a, as a, as a thought on uh, advice for, for I those? I mean, yeah, work-life balance is, <clears throat> I think it's popular answer, like life first, right? Okay. Like your, your personal and, and things <clears throat> first. And it, it is very important that if, if your life is not in order, let's put it that way. I mean, no one's life is in order, but you know what I mean. Um, you cannot get the thoughts for inspiration for your other side, okay. especially for artists, right? Like if you if you are something is is in your head, like you use it as part of inspiration, even if okay. it's a conflict or something like that. So, trying to figure out that you are getting the best in your personal life. Maybe it's complex. Maybe you like having complex in order to get inspired. Whatever it's that drives you, you figure that out so then you can get um, enough drive into into your creative and professional yeah. life. And for new artists that are getting into all these, I'm, I am impressed every day about how the responsive is the community for helping out. I have I've always been I was always like a solo uh, artist in which I would try to figure things by myself. And do we, I think we did that artist would try to do that. Like, no, but let me love yeah. myself for two days, three days, trying to figure this out. And we enjoy the process and that's fantastic. But there's so many people wanting to help yeah. and every single project just gets much better if you are working with someone. So. I would say reach out to to people because most of the people are, are wanting to get involved and especially in the Unreal Engine virtual production side, I think that there's so much knowledge out there and there's so many people trying to figure out that everyone will, most of the people will want to help out. Definitely, definitely. Um... That is so true. Um, and just going on to what you says about conflict, life inspiration, and use that as a drive, that kind of goes back to where we started on this episode with the idea for your Unreal Engine story, thinking, what can I do? And then you use that sort of um, life experience yeah, to, yeah, to, to, absolutely. to guide and, and that it, idea. 
Yeah, absolutely. I have been driving some of the projects after that. We did this opening for the World Cup, which is also based in Rio. And it, and it also, like, we kind of, how I feel about, it was for the World Cup, so it was like how I feel about soccer and why was my own interpretation about soccer, right? And so it was, uh, it like that side, that personal interpretation of a thing driving your professional life. I think that's the yeah. right direction um, and not the opposite, mm-hmm. right? Like not let Definitely. your your life, your professional life drive your personal. I think it's the other way around. Um, yeah. And I think, uh, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. That's that's great piece of advice, Otto. I really, really appreciate that. And, uh, and also um, about shadow sculpting. And as soon as I saw this and you you spoke about this, it reminded me of a BBC TV series they called Dracula. I don't know if you saw this, but oh, they Oh yeah, I saw they the, did a, the billboard, right? Exactly, yeah, the billboard with the the, the stakes uh, mm-hmm. and then the light that casts the shadow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, interesting. Uh, interestingly, it was it started as a as a hobby, and and it, I got curious about also shadow sculpting at some point like oh how do they do that and then i started like doing my own best you know in my in my living room and and i created these piece out of paper that i achieved to to look like like nice and i i i got so obsessed with it but there was a piece missing and the the piece that was missing was that i wanted not to be a, like kind of rubbish creating the shadow not to be like an amorphous thing but but to be like an actual sculpture creating yeah. the shadow. So it would play to these like dual story of like having their actual physical sculpture, but when you shine the light, the shadow is something different. And I said it to me as a challenge. I was like, let me see if I can achieve this. And, and luckily it happened. And that's why I, that's when I changed the name to, to call it like dual sculpting, because it's like, it's one sculpture that is that is a physical and you can see its shape when the light is off it tells you one story but when you turn on the light like the story it's different it, it even um it completes it or it like mm-hmm. contradicts it or something that has to do with the, this duality of light and shadow but uh, but it's something that got some attention uh, with the artist arts community here in new york and i've got a few exhibitions and it's been growing and growing that's why I thought it would be relevant to Brilliant. like bring it up. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it kind of it's always that gag, isn't it, in um, films or or cartoons where there's a kind of like little Tom and Jerry, like a little mouse uh, running through, and it's casting like a shadow of a huge, <laughs> giant, like you know, scary creature. But really, it's just you know something a little less sinister um, in reality. But it's yeah, actually, it got them to my attention at some point. I, I it, it was. An idea of me to create some sort of shadow graffiti, you know, okay. and create these these big shadows in buildings that that people would at the beginning would not know what is the, the <laughs> shadow oh, coming from. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just a little it's from political thing and like oh, yeah. and scary political thing, like, ah! and then yeah. uh, figuring out where the actual uh, object is coming from. Brilliant um, and. <laughs> Uh, is that something that so you started off um, just playing around with a physical thing, but then did you you took that into a digital form? So you were were you sculpting in the computer, or is it all a physical? I think um, it's both. Like I I started with with physical, as I said, like paper and stuff like that, and then I started integrating like three D print into it, nice. and I it gave me way more flexibility because I I realized that I could use the other side of my of my career, which was like 3D modeling and all that, you know, to complement it. Yeah. And, uh, and but right now I'd say it's mixed media because sometimes I use plaster, sometimes I use mirrors or like crystals or things like to tell the story. Uh-huh. But yes, I, it's a combination between the two things and um, it's, it's very difficult to get just with digital to like the result. Although, uh-huh. um, this taps into like the other side, which is like turning them into like, for, for example, NFTs and things that can be digitized uh, and, and they can be commercialized in a digital way as well. Uh, so that's why I'm interested as well in like figuring out 
making sure that they work in the digital realm as well. Yeah, that sounds uh, something I'm sure you're going to continue with. Uh, <laughs> and But yeah, let us know how that goes because as thank soon you. as you show me the work, it's beautiful. And uh, I'd love to, to see more in the future. But yeah, Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank nice. you. Thank you so much for your time uh, to talk with us. Um, yeah, thank and, you. It, it, uh, I'll just say like the hour flew by and thank yeah. you very, very much. I hope we, we get to meet in person some, someday. Yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> Absolutely. I would love that. Yeah, yeah. Let me know if you're in New York. And I'll, okay. I'll let you know. And, uh, and absolutely. Thank you very, very much. Brilliant. Arturo, all the best. Have a great rest of your day. Awesome, man. If you're looking for more conversations like this and can't wait for the next episode, head over to our YouTube channel at Big Tooth Studios or follow the link in the episode description.